half the woman I used to know. <laughs> Amen. How, how, ma- how many pounds do you love? I don't know. 44 pounds. Amen. And we are in a, we do this together because uh, I gained that. So, what she gained and what she lost, I gained. No. Anyway, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, again, I enjoy the worship. I enjoy just to be able to turn my eyes upon Him. And Brian, I appreciate you sharing that, just praying over uh, Louisiana and, plan, and praying over. You know, there's so many places right now are going and hitting such destruction all across, the, you know, and from there to Afghanistan to fires out west and do, you know, but I'm glad. You know, I remember when I was a kid that we used to sing that song, he's got the whole world in his hand. Amen. And I appreciate that. Amen. And this brother and sister, Redberg, I think I've seen them before covid I think, no, seriously, it's been about a year and a half, so it's good to see them, amen. Praise the Lord to be in the house of the Lord this morning. So uh, we're going to ask Brother Tim, if he would, uh, get ready to take an offering. And uh, uh, if you got something if you want to, if you, they've got envelopes, you need an envelope, just raise your hand. Uh, but he's going to buy them, we'll pass that and put that in there. Uh, but when he gets set here, and then uh, we'll just have a word of prayer over this offering. Uh, but it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's pray right now. Father, right now in Jesus' name, as we get to this point where we take this offering, Father, we thank you that is in our heart to give. Father, we give unto you. Father, we want to bless you, Father, not because we've got to, not because we have to, but because, Father, that what you have done and the love of God in our hearts, Father, we want to express our love and just obedient and just sharing uh, with one another and Father, and to put this into this offering that it might go for the, the, the furtherance of the kingdom and the, uh, the preaching of the word. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I think this is the first time in about six months that I've been here to preach. So it's kind of a homecoming for me. Amen. Praise God. All right. Thank you for all that endorsement right there. Amen. All right, brother, I appreciate it. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I, uh, while they're doing that, I just want to share a couple of things. And first of all, I just, like I said, uh, it's been so, uh, so long since I've been here. I've been here to visit a couple of times, but to be here and minister, it's just uh, it's a blessing for me. I appreciate uh, Jeremiah giving me a chance to come and, and share. And it means a lot to me when you all just open the doors and open your hearts and allow me to come and share. And I appreciate that this morning. Amen. Uh, I wanted to share that uh, going back again before COVID. <laughs> but I, I was going to Cynthiana and I would go minister the first Sunday of the month at a church in Cynthiana. And Pastor Stuckey uh, and his wife, they were uh, the ministers there, the pastors there. Uh, and this morning, they don't have a fifth service this morning, a fifth Sunday service. And they come to be out here with us and come out this morning and be with us. And we appreciate them so much. And uh, Pastor, I want you to come on up if you would just for a second. Just say hi to everybody. And uh, maybe a little different. You just have them come and just, just take a second, just share your heart, and just, just greet everybody. Amen. 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 When Brother Dan told me that he was going to be here ministering this morning, um, 
I had somewhere else that someone wanted me to be at. <laughs> Not to preach, but they wanted me to be at that service. Um, and I thought about it, and I prayed over it, and I was like, I'm going to support Brother Dan this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then he indeed spoke the truth. Um, he supported me. I mean, I was praying, y'all, for somebody to come and help me at uh, St. James Amy Church in Cynthiana. And the Lord sent Brother Dan. I put him down. I said, every first Sunday, no matter what that first Sunday lands on, whether it's a holiday, whatever, you got it. <laughs> I even surprised him one time, and I want to share this and then take my seat. Um, one time he came to the church, and I had to tell him, I said, Brother Dan, you're not preaching this Sunday. And he looked at me as if he had done something wrong. And I said, well, that's the bad news. I said, well, I got some good news for you, too. I said, here at this church, this day is the day that we're going to celebrate Appreciation Day for you. <laughs> and we had Appreciation Day for him. I preached, and I included um, one of his testimonies in the message that I gave, because Brother Dan has a powerful testimony. I mean, a lot of things that God has done in his life. I'm sure you probably know about that. And he's been a blessing in my life, and I'm sure he's been a blessing in yours. I want to thank my lovely wife, Lisa Stuckey, for coming here this morning with me. And so far, Brother Brian, thank you for leading us in worship. We're enjoying it, and we are praising God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. It is so good to have him and his wife with us both. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, I remember that Sunday I went in there, and I got there, and I was coming in, and I saw a couple other pastors there. Uh, <laughs> that was some there that, that I went and ministered for. But anyway, they came in, and the reason I looked like there was something wrong, that maybe I did something wrong, I walked up, and he said, uh, I got some bad news for you. Uh, and they just looked at each other. And finally, one of them said, I'll say it. You're not going to preach this morning. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> and they were all there. And, uh, you know, so I appreciate them. And I appreciate the pastors who got up and took a shot at two at me. And uh, that was all done fun, right? I mean, that was, okay. <laughs> Amen. All right. I want you to open your Bibles, if you would, to this morning to the book of John. John chapter 8. And uh, I'm just going to share this morning for few months on something the Lord's laid on my heart. And uh, but I gave, uh, I told my wife I was going to preach on, she asked me, what, what are you going to preach on? What's the title of your message? I said, I'm preaching on, if I, the title of my message is 50 Shades of Grace. And she said, 50 Shades of Grace? No, no grace. 50 Shades of Grace. <laughs> and uh, she just let, you know, so. But the thing I wanted to share, the Lord's just been speaking to my heart. You know, there are different areas of grace. And sometimes we get locked into one thing, and we don't understand the fullness of what God does, how grace applies in so many areas. And it blesses us, and it benefits us, and it leads us, and it directs us, and it guides us. And so this morning, we're going to take a look at this here real quick. But um, I want us to look at John chapter 8. Starting verse 1, and says, And Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and he taught them. Verse 3, And the scribes and the Pharisees uh, brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery. Get this. In the very act, caught in the act, amen, in the very act. Verse 5, but Moses uh, says, now Moses in the law commanded us that they should show uh, that she should be stoned. But what do you say? 
What do you say? Amen. Let's pray. Father, right now in Jesus' name, again, we're thankful for your word. And I'm thankful, Father, uh, that uh, this, this thing you're just sharing on my heart. And, Father, as, uh, as we share this morning, I pray that you'd open our eyes, our hearts, our minds. And, Father, let us receive, Father, not what I've got to say, but, Father, just simply what you would speak to us into our hearts this morning. I pray that every heart be touched, every need be met. And, Father, I pray that this morning that you begin to uh, just to build back what has been broken. So many of us have been broken in areas, Father, in this church and in uh, this town and this country and father we ask that the rebuilding start by the grace of god and we thank you for it in jesus name amen hallelujah now you know i want to uh i'll share real quickly here that you know a lot of you most of you know me know that uh, i work for the school system i work specifically at the high school but i work in there and it's my 18 years and, and well 19th now starting the new year but it's been a, a long time working there. And we have a teacher that uh, always shares this and has gone on that, that something that happened uh, back and it's been some years. And, uh, and she would share this and uh, everybody at the school would kind of teachers talk about it every year when it happened and what happened. And uh, I'm not even sure if it was that school or the one in the district or where. But she tells the story about uh, what happened one year where... Uh, all the students came to school, and they got there, and she had talked to uh, uh, the, the staff, you know, the board office and the office up front, and she had taken every desk in, their, in her classroom, and they had pulled it out and took it and stored it in another part of the building. And when all the students came in, they come walking in, they're looking around, and she says, go ahead, take your place. And they're like, there's no seats. She said, that's all right, just go ahead and find a spot. And uh, they're just looking like, what? something's wrong. What's going? And, they, and she got up and she went to the board and wrote, my name is Miss such and such, I'm your teacher this year, we're going to be dealing with... And somebody said, where are the chairs? And she said, what? And she said, the desk, where are we supposed to sit? So oh, we don't have any desk in here, but find a spot, you know, sit on the floor here, just sit. Some of you might lean back in the corner. And she went on and she said, we're going to start in this first chapter. I'm going to just an introduction of what we're going to be overall looking at this next semester. And, and they were saying, wait a minute, I, I don't want to sit on the floor. I want a desk. How come we don't have a desk? And she said, why did you think you should have a desk? And they said, well, everybody's got a desk. Well, you think just because everybody else has got one, you get one? And so she went back, and she just went on team. And this went on for a while, and she kept talking, and she was talking about, uh, again, just upcoming with that semester. And uh, somebody said, uh, said, well, we've always had desk. Well, just because you've always had something doesn't mean you get one now. And it went back and forth. Well, what about this? And I want a desk. And where, where can we get a desk? And said, well, you know. And she said, here, and she wrote on the thing. She wrote in the corner a place where they could go and buy a desk and bring it in if they wanted. I don't want to buy my desk and sit on the floor. And said, for some of the rest of you, and she wrote the name of a couple of people, you can go and have your own desk designed, and they will build it and bring it to you, and then you can sit, and then, you know, whoever else. 
And, they, and this just went back and forth, and people were complaining. She said people got out there, you know, their cell phones, and they were calling, like, Mom, Dad, they took our desk. We ain't got any place to say, you know, what are we going to do? You know, and they started the office, start getting all these calls. How come my child doesn't have a place to sit? What's going on in the school? And said, well, uh, this is Mrs. Such and Such's number. You can call after school. And you go, what do you mean call after school? They got to sit on the floor all day and said, well, no, just while they're in her class. But I went back and forth and back and forth. And, and this went on. Uh, school had started on Wednesday. So that happened Wednesday. And Thursday when it came in, I talked to mom. Mom said the blah, blah, blah. And she said, well, mom's not here, is she? You know, I said, you're allowed to bring a towel or a cushion. And, and they I just want to, and then all day long, every period, they'd come in and this, and now they've gotten hundreds of phone calls. And finally, on the third day, that Friday, it happened Wednesday, you started school and started Wednesday, did that Wednesday and did it Thursday. And then Friday, they had been, all of them had got a message that all of her students were to report to, to her classroom, to her hallway outside her classroom. And she had first period, but all the rest of the teachers knew what was going on. They let their students that were there, they, they had for second and third and fourth. Everybody had, you know, sent them, their students, to come and be there. But they are sitting there. There was like 150 students standing around this hallway. And they were lined. She said, had half of them lined up on one side of the hall, half on the other side. And then uh, all of a sudden she said, let's get some desks. And she heard some marching. And, she, and around the corner and up thing came 30 military men, some Air Force, some Navy, had some that were Marines that were in their outfits. Some of them were there, there, they were there, and then there's a few others. Some were in wheelchairs, some were on crutches. And they came in, and as they marched up the aisle, every one of them had a desk. And they brought it in and set it up in that desk. And before they were allowed to go in, she stood out in that hallway in that first period. She talked about and introduced every one of them who had been in battle. She introduced and she talked about the story about her father who was a prisoner of war and ended up dying in battle. And, not making, and so now they're all just mesmerized about what's going on. And she said, the only reason anybody has a right to sit in class and learn what's right and what's wrong is because of these men and women who have paid a price, and there's nothing that any of you can do to do that. And that's been, I don't know, 15 years or something. It still radiates through the school every year. And the point I'm trying to make, you know, I, we need to support our military, but this isn't about that. I'm not just talking, although right now we need to be praying for them. They, I mean, we need to be lifting them up. I'm 100% behind them. But the point I'm trying to make, I thought she could not have done anything more to show a picture of grace than these people coming in. And she wouldn't, listen, she wasn't a Christian. She wasn't trying to preach anything. She was thankful for her military and to her father who had died in the war so this could happen. And the whole uh, the Board of Education, everybody was behind what was going on. 
and given an opportunity. And the point I'm trying to make is sometimes we look and, and we see a picture of grace. And the thing is, the picture I want you to see is I, I've told my children since they were knee-high to a grasshopper. <laughs> I told them that there is nothing they can do to earn salvation. Amen? I said it's not about what you do. It's about what he did. And that's grace. And what we do is sometimes our lives get muddled with everything that's going on, and we begin to lose sight of what grace is, and we try to add to it. Add a little bit. Well, you got to be saved, but then you got to do this. You got to be saved, but then you got to do, you know. And uh, I remember when I was working, uh, we were one year back, uh, a couple of years ago, we were uh, in the summer stripping out these floors of these classrooms. And we had uh, had this one, a couple of different kinds of stripper, and one that was called Devastator. And it was the strongest one. And we would take that and, and uh, would take out everything, five, six, seven coats of wax, all the way down to the floor. They had another refiner that would take out maybe just that top coat and reshine it. But Devastator took it all the way down. And I remember we were on there, and you got to be careful wanting to slip and fall. But Devastator was taking all this up, and somebody had a little bit of that refiner left in a, in a five-gallon bucket and said, here, and went and dumped it in one of the machines and, and said, here, just thought she was adding to it to make it a little stronger. Can I tell you, if you add the weaker to the stronger, it doesn't make the stronger stronger. It makes the stronger weaker. It deludes that. And people have deluded the gospel by trying to add by what they did and what they've experienced. And if you do it my way, it's going to work out for you. And so I begin to look at that and just, and I want to talk about 50 shades of gray. I'm going to talk about the different grace. Sometimes we think so much about just that one thing of grace. You're saved by grace, but we lose the idea and the impact of what grace does in every area of our life. They'll look at it, everything else they want to do, but they want to hold on to that one thing. They got that one thing they'll do. It's like holding on, got that one little nugget. <laughs> hold on to your nugget. Amen. We had a we had a restaurant up by the house that they had a thing they ran for a while that they would have these five-piece thing of chicken nuggets. Five-piece nuggets for 99 cents. And the kids loved them. And so every Sunday after church, People from half a dozen different churches out there uh, all over would come for those nuggets because the kids wanted nuggets. They would come and have nuggets, and then the parents would eat, and the older kids would eat and do whatever. And the family may come and spend 50 or $60 for a meal for the thing or more for the whole meal, but that, the kids wanted the nuggets. And the kids wanted the nuggets. I'm going to get nuggets. Where are you going? We're going to go here today. No, I want my nuggets. And so it went on and on. And they would have, they said that place Sunday you couldn't get into it, Harley. It would be filled, and there may be 100 to 150 meals served that Sunday in that place because the kids wanted their nuggets. That may sound like something simple, but there's, you're saying $60 for $50, say, for a meal times 100. That's $6,000. <laughs> and one day, the guy that ran the place got the idea. I don't know what it was. I'm just starting to mess with him, hack on him. But he got the idea, we're well, just going to take away one of the nuggets. So they had four nuggets for 99 cents. 
And so they went there, you know, when they started doing that and serving it up, and the kids went, and all the kids revolted. Grand County and Owen County revolted. I want my nuggets. I want my nuggets. And they'd cry, and they would want their nuggets and do all that. And so families stopped coming and going to other restaurants because they didn't get their nugget. And over the next three, four months, they lost thousands and thousands of dollars in dinners because they didn't have the nugget. And some people will not turn loose, let go, I want my nugget. Now listen, I don't want to be political or anything, but I want to tell you something. A lot of people have feelings for and against Donald Trump. But I'm telling you that if he ran on the promise that he would bring back that fifth nugget, he'd be in the office again. <laughs> they want their nugget, and they wouldn't let go. We're going to hold on to it. They're going to, and people want to hold on to what they feel, what they've been taught, and what they've learned, and what they've experienced. But they've limited their experience. The word says this to grow. Second Peter. I think it's chapter 3. But 2 Peter chapter 3 talks about growing in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's one thing. You, ha- you cannot get born again without the grace of God. But it does not stop there. Grace continues on. I want to tell you, what we receive will produce. Whether it's good or whether it's bad. You're receiving good things, it's going to produce good things. You're going to receive bad things. My grandma used to say, what you feed grows and what you starve dies. So push the plate away. Because I'd be sitting here eating, eating. But what you feed grows. (laughs) It's the same way with the spiritual realm. What you feed grows. And so if you continue... And growing in grace and in the knowledge of Him, the more the knowledge grows, the more the grace you receive it, it produces things. Amen? Grace produces life. Grace produces joy. Grace produces peace. Grace produces a happy life. You say, well, that happens because, you know, you're saved. It produces righteousness. It produces salvation. And uh, I was telling somebody that, and they said, well, that's about Jesus. You can't separate them. If you're going to have Calvary, you've got to have grace. If you're going to have grace, you've got to receive what grace causes us to grow and to walk in. Amen? Anyway, I just want to share that with you. We, we're doing that, and we have to continue to grow in the grace. It produces that. But I want us to look real quick here in verse 1 and 2. It says, Jesus went into the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him. Came unto and he sat down and he taught them. Now listen, Jesus sat down and talked to him. All these people were gathering around him. Jesus, Jesus was the new covenant. He wasn't the Old Testament. He was the New Testament. He was the new covenant. And all these people were wanting to fight and argue about the law and how to do the hall, how this should be displayed, how this should be there. But I want you to know when Jesus sat down and began to minister to them, he ministered how that God so loved the world that he gave. Church, love always gives. Love always gives. 
Amen? And when we have the love of Christ, it, all, it causes us to love. It causes us to encourage one another, to pray for one another. It causes us to be in a place. You know, like I said, when somebody comes walking in the, in the, in the house of the, uh, of the church and, and comes walking in and they've been through a rough time and a hard time, love causes people to put their arm around them and love on them. Love causes us to pray for one another and to sit there and cry with somebody that's hurting. To allow myself to become vulnerable so that I can touch somebody that needs the grace of God. Amen? And so he began to teach them and talk to them. But it says here, as he taught them, um, you know, they begin and they begin to come up and try to trick him and begin to do these things to him. But here's the thing I want us to see. Uh, here, well, let's, let's just look at the first uh, verse three. It says, And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in idolatry, and when they had set her in the midst, they said unto them that she was caught in the act. This woman was caught in the act. She was caught in the act. You heard that saying, being, being caught in the act. When somebody is caught in the middle of something, it means you cannot deny it. How many know you get in trouble when you're trying to deny something when you're being caught? And so they came, and they were trying to do this, and they were trying to get him. He said, now, Moses said, we should do this. But what do you say? Have you ever had somebody say, well, yeah, well, the Bible says that. What do you think? Trying to get you tangled up or getting you whatever and trying to, listen, I respond out of, out, out of relationship. It's not religion, it's relationship. And when Jesus began to minister in grace and take us to that place in grace, different shades of grace, different areas of grace, the thing is, he began to teach a new covenant, and he began to teach. See, it wasn't about in the Old Testament when the priest would take the animal and cut the, the throat and pour out the blood, and the blood would pay for their sins. But what we don't understand, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament is what I told the kids all the time. The Old Testament is like a credit card religion. How many of you got a credit card? And people go out and charge and do this, all this, and then they go to make their payment. And some of us go, and they'll make that minimum payment, or they'll make that interest payment. You know, when you make that minimum payment and pay on the interest, it does not pay off the principal. In the, Old, in the Old Testament, when they would do the things and the priests would go, they would go through all those things. Listen, what happened, they would do those things, but it only paid the thing and only covered their sin for a while. The interest, there was still sin in their heart, in their life. They were not born again. They didn't have a new experience. They just had to keep paying the debtor. But Jesus came along, and the Word says he one time paid the price hung on the cross, and lay down and pay the price for you and for I. Amen? And so this is what he's trying to deal with them. And here he is. I let them, they come, and they begin to talk to her and talk to him about it. What about this woman? Look what she's done. Look at the, the sin she's in. I got that. My wife bought me an iPad. It's my toy. And I'm learning to use it, so uh, <laughs> be patient with it. But when I talked about that she was guilty. Listen, she was guilty before the Lord and before the world. She was guilty before everybody, and she was exposed out there in front of everybody. And, and the thing says, the Scripture talks about, uh, it says, that, listen, there's a lot of different sins. There are different kinds of sins. And just because they looked at that one, they overlooked the other. 
In James chapter 2, it begins to talk about, and I think in verse 10, it talks about and says that if you begin to uh, make exceptions in one area, and not that because of one sin, if you sin in one thing and not everything else, you're guilty of all of it. You're guilty of all sin. And we say, amen, brother, we've heard that all of our life. Amen, that's true. But what we do is that we come to the point where we begin to judge and look down one area and look and judge this thing instead of other areas of our life that may keep us from coming. And because of that, we walk in hindrance to being fulfilled in our own life. Amen. And what I'm trying to say, we, we, we know we're born again. We know we're washed in the blood and we're going to heaven. But what we don't realize sometimes is the guilt that we feel. She went on when they brought her up and the, the guilt as she was exposed. And, uh, you know, they brought her out. There's, listen, there's no, they didn't give her time to change. They just brought her and she was half naked, threw her down in there. And everybody's looking at her. And the shame that she felt, not just the sin, but the shame. And want to point the shame and point it. And that shame, what it does. I've seen people's lives completely hindered and broken because of shame in their life. And they may know they're forgiven. But when they go to a place where they begin to step out in areas that God's got for them. How many know God's got an area for every one of us? Every one of us. God's got giftings. He has callings. He has places in, in our life. And He has all these things for us. But what happens when we get to a place, we allow shame to hinder us from walking in those places. I can remember one time, uh, I'll tell you because my wife's not here, right? She's not going to hear this. Is she? Okay. But I remember sometime a, a few years back, we, we got into this horrible argument. And uh, I felt particularly bad because... She won this argument. But the point I want you to say is, I mean, we argued back and forth, and I had gotten very angry, and we were yelling at one another, and I looked up, and the kids were down, there, and we put the kids back in the back room, and then instead of stopping, we went on. It went on. And that was on a late, that was on a Saturday night, and then Sunday morning, I was getting ready when I got up and get ready to church, and I was going to get up and preach, and then when I got up in the back of my voice and said, so this is how religion Christians live. This is how preachers are, scream at their wife and then get behind a pulpit. And I remember feeling so awkward trying to, you know, and because of that shame, hang it. Listen, we can always, if you, listen, I'm not saying you continue in sin, but I'm saying if we get to a place where we mess up, we're, able, we're allowed to say, Father, forgive me and cleanse me. And as we continue to grow in grace and the knowledge of that grace, we walk free from condemnation. And so that shame would beat her down. That shame would do that. It would do that to all the people. How many of you know people that have faced that? Some of you have faced that. Whether you have guilt, whether you have shame. And this is what I want us to see. And here, let's do this. Let's turn to, uh, I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Or in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I'm sorry. She's got me. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and then we're going to look at verse 4. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 
Now, a couple of things I wanted to see is the Lord was speaking in my heart about that, about pulling down the stronghold. The weapons of our warfare. We need to make up our mind. We need to understand what our warfare is. There are weapons that's not part of our warfare. They're part, they're, and I go on and say this. We've been armed with certain things, and, that, and but we find ourselves trying to use our weapons in a battle that we were never intended to be in. If you're going to utilize your weaponry, you need to learn to use it in the battle that God's got you in, that called you in. I'm not saying God puts you, throws you into everything, but when you're in the middle of a situation, God gives you what you need to get out of that. But we have to understand something. This is what the Lord began to speak to me. When you look up here about the weapons of our warfare, the enemy has weapons also. Now, I say that to say this. And again, going back to 50 grades of shade, when, uh, shades of grades. But I moved it back and forth. 50 shades of the grace of God. Not just salvation, but listen, when the shame comes, when the guilt comes, and it causes you to react a certain way, that is a tool of the enemy. Anytime that you have grace, or or rather when you're looking at the uh, guilt and shame and all these things, and it motivates you, it kinders you, and holds you back, you need to understand those are weapons that the enemy is using against you. And the reason I say that is that when you find yourself in that situation and feeling guilty or feeling ashamed or feeling embarrassed, listen, if you're allowing that to control you, you need to understand we need to recognize those weapons so they cannot harm us or hinder us again. I made up my mind I'm not going to feel guilty or embarrassed or ashamed of anything else. I'm tired of feeling that way. I'm going to feel free in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't let those things hinder us. Don't let those things go on and beat us down. Now, look, the thing is, when you look at the, you know, this, the, her shame, her guilt, and all, but the thing about it that I want us to see is that the, uh, I keep getting sidetracked, I'm sorry. But I was wanting to talk about simply her sentence. The sentence that she had. I'm going to put this up. The sentence that she had, the sentence that came against her, when the men came and they saying, she needs to be killed, she needs to do this. They knew, listen, here's the thing. She was completely, they were completely correct. According to what Moses said, they were completely correct. Amen? They were correct. Everybody around them saw what was going. They were correct. But the thing they forget, one of the things they forgot is in the Scripture when it says that, that the man and the woman were both supposed to be brought. I mean, women say, amen. But they were both supposed to be brought. But here's the thing. What they needed to understand was when they did that, they, they, I don't know, the guy might have been somebody they knew and said, right, get out of here. We're going to take her. They didn't care a bit about her soul about her salvation, about anything else. All they cared about was using her to propagate their convictions and what they stood for. Can I tell you, religion is like that today. There are a lot of people that want you to line up and play their game, snap their fingers, do it their way. And if you don't, they don't care how you feel. You can come broken, you can come hurt, you can come empty, and it doesn't matter as long as you play the game. But what grace does, it takes you from the game. It takes you to the freedom and the reality of the Lord Jesus. Amen? And so when I began to look at that and see that it, it was that, and here's the point.
plan. There was such a plan they brought through. And the, and the plan was this. They came and they took the plan. The plan was that they were going to take this and throw it at Jesus. Remember, they said, what would you do? How many know that the, there, there are a lot of people that will take anything to throw in your face and say, how are you going to handle that? Our fallback is always the grace and love of God. I've learned there are times I've looked at things, I've looked at people around me, and it's easy sometimes to judge them, but if I do, I'm doing the same thing that I did. I'm important in judging somebody for something when I was doing some of the similar things. And what I need to do is look at that and realize what grace does. It does not judge. If you're sitting here and you're judging any area, some of you got differences that come up in family, in friends, in relationships, and you because of what's happened in the past or whatever, and we judge them and we're mad at them. Listen, if you're going to do that, you're moving away from the relationship of grace. And we've got to continue in that grace and showing that grace and showing that love to one another. Because otherwise, we beat ourselves down. No, and it talks about this sin. The thing I want to mention real quick, it's just about sin. Sin is this. Sin, and we think of sin as uh, adultery, or we think of it as this or that. But in the Greek, when there's a scripture when it talks about, uh, you know, uh, he took our sin. And that word sin, it talks about, it's simply this. It's not just something that you do. But what sin is described in the New Testament, sin is what separates. Sin separates you from God. Remember Adam and Eve, when they ate of the fruit or whatever, it separated them from God. Sin does that today. And what Jesus is about is that he is about bringing you back in fellowship with God and the Holy Spirit in himself, bring you back in fellowship where you walk free, where you walk victorious, where you walk happy, where you walk full of, the, of all the things and the promises. Of the, uh, the Scripture talking about all these things as he promises. We don't even know. Hadn't even entered in our mind or our heart the promises that God has for us. Amen? And so we, we, he wants us to walk in those things. But sin separates from them. So what I'm trying to say is you can look at certain things that are listed and said, if you do this or if you do this. Let me just say this. Sin is anything that separates you from the Lord. Anything. I remember a couple of years ago I went through a thing where uh, I was doing that. I would get them to church and run home. And I had man, my, my NFL game recorded, and I would watch the games. I would watch the Bengals, or sometimes I would watch a professional team. But, you know, either way, I would watch teams play football. And uh, some of you missed that, but that's all right. But here's the point. I would do that, and it got so my whole Sunday was wrapped up in that season of doing that. And I finally got to the point. I just unplug my TV and I turned that off and I didn't watch any games anymore on TV. Why? Because football is wrong? No. But me getting so caught up in that that I forget and neglect everything else, it's separate. It caused a place to open up in my walk with him. My mind was not centered on him. It was centered on them. Listen, church, I'm saying this. Uh, when we go back to grace, anything that separates you from him Grace wants to bring you back, okay? And not just for salvation, but it wants to bring you back to a place where you can walk in freedom, walk in joy, walk in peace. God has all those things for us, and we miss them. But allow God to take and do away, cut up that credit card, 
Amen. Learn to recognize the enemy's weapons. Learn to separate. Anytime we're trying to do anything and it affects our relation, our position with the Lord is wrong. That's works, not grace. And we were saying that song, learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on Him. Learning to lean on Him. Learning to lean on grace. And as we grow in grace and knowledge, I'm just saying there's some of us have certain personal areas that we wrestle with and what will happen, this, this area of grace will walk us through it and carrying us out on the other side full of joy and peace. Amen? Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, let's, we're going to just stop there because I feel like the Lord just, uh, uh, sometimes I'm just, Wanting to hear what the Lord saying. I know that the Lord spoke to me as I was praying Friday night and yesterday about this grace, about the weapons that hinder us because we're trying to operate in works instead of the grace. And right now, I just want to stop and say, if there's anybody here right now, I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit just speak to our minds right now. If there is anything that we do or we don't do and try to draw us closer to the Lord, we need to neglect that and set that aside. If it's works, it's just wrong. And those things can hinder us from flowing in the things of God. Amen. So I appreciate that. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this. Uh, this description as we were sharing, Father. Help us just to see that grace wants to go beyond salvation. He wants to call us to those of us who are called to certain areas, and we go to step out, and we feel like we maybe we're not uh, we're not clean enough, or we're not good enough. But Father, we want to step out into those things and follow through with what you called us, because what you made us qualifies us to do what you called. And I thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to stop here, but. Uh, I just want to ask if there's anybody here this morning that has anything they want to pray about, anything that's uh, on their heart or mind, they just want to give up to the Lord, or if there's an area of sickness or whatever, just anybody needs prayer, we can, we can pray for them. Amen. Is there anybody who needs prayer this morning? You want to come up, you want to just stand there, we can 